Robert Craddock is the Chief Sports Writer from the Courier-Mail and he joins us now on the show. Crash, good morning. Good morning, lads. Uh, we're all still recovering, aren't we, from the Rugby League yesterday, which almost... South Roost has almost knocked you out of your lounge chair, didn't it? It was uh, a, a gripping theatre well, at its absolute best. Crash, it was actually exhausting watching it, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Like, you just wondered what came next. And, you know, for, for theatre drama, I mean, rugby league has its critics and its flaws, but when it turns on a game like that, big ticket, you know, aggression, hostility, um, pure passion, old rivals bit of angst it's just so hard to beat as a sport isn't it yeah i think the one that we were well i was looking forward to was uh penrith v Parramatta, but it turned out to be the fizzer and the other three mm. were, were classic uh classic matches oh uh, yeah i mean the cowboys game saturday night was just stupendous and to see the way they hung in there and, and those small grounds where they've got twelve thousand heaving local fans i mean you know, even covering a game at those sort of venues, the, the, the game's all over you. You feel intimidated. The noise level rocks you. So never mind being a player. So they were they were exquisite, the cows, I must say. Crash, you do give us your underrated and overrated every Monday when you join us from the world of sports. So let's go to the underrated first up. Well, it's to someone who you've just mentioned, Will Power, who's just won his second uh, Indy Championship uh, his last one was about eight years ago. And he has been an underrated star, this kid from Toowoomba who started racing in a Datsun 1200 out at Warwick and Stanthorpe, of all places. And he's gone from that to, to win an Indy champ, two Indy championships. He, uh, he On uh, Saturday, he beat the great Mario Andretti for the most number of pole positions uh, in indie races, which in itself was a monumental achievement, but he's such a. I've only that was met 58 him once. Crash. That, that, so, that's an amazing amount of poles. Fifty-eight. It, it is, and, and look, you're talking about a high-risk sport of which he's been near the top of for 20 years, and the amount of tiptoeing he would have to do with sponsorships and keeping those cars on the road and keeping himself in good physical conditions. I only met him once down the Gold Coast when he drove down there, did an interview with him, and he's an unusual lad. He uh, very calm and cool, but when he's talking to you, you sort of feel as if his mind is ticking away on other projects. You know, he, he sort of uh, is that sort of fellow. But for a young Toowoomba kid starting out the Datsun 1200, fizzing around Stanthorpe in front of a few hundred fans, outstanding progress, I have to say. Um, uh, and also underrated, guys, just quickly, Jason Demetrio. I must balance the books here. I came on earlier in the year saying South of the big risk. They're fading. They, they'll be the big disappointments of the year. He's got them up and peaking at just the right time. So for a first-year, first-grade coach, even to hold his sort of nerve when things were going bad, I thought was terrific. So hats off to him. Uh, and also one player who I've never once mentioned on your show. I've never, his name has not dropped from my lips, so I must give him a rap. Scott Drinkwater, the uh, Cowboys fullback. Gee's good. You know, he's had a really good season. And as the competition gets tighter, his electrical attacking ability is starting to shine more. Oh, I, my hand's in the air again. I just didn't think he was that good. Well, no, Dean Young even the said it the other too. day, Jared. Didn't he? Yeah, and, and he flies under the radar because he's up there, I suppose. 
Yep, yep. And, and not just he, but you could easily throw the entire Cowboys operation in as underrated because, l l let's be honest, most people until Saturday night thought that the Cowboys were a beautiful feel-good story who would do their bit and then fade out of the finals. And that certainly wasn't the vibe up north, but <clears throat> around the place it was. And that may still happen. You know, they still have to beat... Uh, you know, it might be Canberra, it might be Para, but it's not a bad opponent to have at home. You're not running into Penrith, so this is a really good result for them, but I, I, the cover is almost blown, isn't it, after Saturday night? Like, right, you're front and centre, guys. You're a chance of winning this, so it's quite nice. You know, I'm just having a look now. After round five, they were $101. Wow, wow. They Did anyone back them at that price, Jared? Oh, there would have been some small bets. I can't see that. But um, what five yeah. and ten dollar type things? Yeah, bets like on. that. Just loyal punters who, who back their team each and every week. A lot of people actually do that. Just the updated mm. price and back them all the way through the season. But yeah, 101 after round five. Well, I heard something the other night on television that I thought was one of the most astute observations about their form, and one of the simplest. But I think it came from Cooper Cronk when he said, "Every player in their team has improved this year." And that's a sign of good coaching. You think Drinkwater, he, he's improved. You think uh, of how much the halves have improved. Chad Townsend going there as a recruit. Tom Dearden, you know, and, and Tal Malalo is having one of the great seasons of his career. And, and there's a well-tried player. So the, collectively, they have all reached peak form. It's a very rare thing. But to have, and, and as I said, it has to be a mark of, of uh, we must give due credit to Todd Payton because they have moved collectively as a group to a higher plane. And Crash, I think they stuck to their guns with Val Holmes about being a centre rather than a, a fullback. And I think he's the best centre in the game now. Yeah, it, it's, well, he's the classic guy who has improved in, in that he's having probably his best season. I mean, his pace is, is scorching, isn't it? He's making important tackles. He's bobbing up at the right time. He kicks the pressure field goal from 45 metres out to get him in the prelim final. And it was interesting. I enjoyed his interview after the game Saturday night where he said, look, when I tried out for the NFL in America, it didn't have the result that I wanted, but it just taught me all about professionalism. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd go to training, I'd switch on, then I'd go home. But there was more in the tank, and America helped me find it, to be a, a good professional. And I'm trying to take that now back to these kids in the Cowboys. And if you said another underrated force, it would be Val Holmes on the players around him at the Cowboys. They say he's become a really good professional. And not that he was ever unprofessional. He's always been a good player. But America taught him to buck, squeeze the lemon on your talent. Get every last drip out of it. And what about overrated? Overrated. I, I just worried about 50 over cricket. Just seeing the matches in far north Queensland... Uh, I want more people to care about them, but I'm worried about this form of the game in that I'm just not hearing the chatter that I used to when Australia's playing 50-over cricket uh, and when it's on around the world. So that, that worries me a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think how that form of the game can get its pulse back, Paul. Yeah, Crash, I'm with you. We've got a T20 World Cup starting in October here in Australia. And I think with the success of women's cricket in the T20 as well. I think 50 over is definitely losing its flavour and it appears as though other countries are more concerned about T20 than anything else. 
So I'm definitely with you. I, I think I think it could be the, the, it'll be the, the first of the three games that disappears. Yeah, look, I, I think it'll always have the World Cup. And the thing is, the 50-over World Cup for me is the best cricket tournament on the planet. I, I really enjoy that. It was exquisite last time, wasn't it, uh, in England? And it'll be in India next year. But between times... That's what worries me. And test cricket is surging in some nations. I mean, England are about to beat South Africa um, at the Oval in, uh, in in their third test and take the series, and they're playing great cricket. And when England rise in the saddle in test cricket, they take the whole game with them. And I, I, can I put my hand up? I seem to spend this whole segment apologising for things that I've said <laughs> previously. <laughs> but I didn't think... England could maintain this gung-ho approach against South Africa's great pace attack, but somehow they've done it. Brennan McCullum has freed their minds and said, go out, be adventurous, attack, put them under pressure. Even great fast bowlers like Rabada was going at four runs and over. It's incredible. Crash, uh, yeah, we asked Brent Reid the question before, before you joined us this morning about the Melbourne Storm out early in the finals, the first time since 2014. Yes, they get Ryan Pappenhausen and Christian Welsh back next year, but they're they're losing some very senior players in the forwards, very experienced players. Is this it for the Melbourne Storm? Is the dynasty gone? Uh, I, I think the dynasty of premierships has faded and won't reappear for a while. But I think you'll see them hover around the reaches of where they finish this year, fifth to eighth. But as Brent said, and it's such a good point, you can, if you've got a great spine of Pappenhausen, Hughes, Munster and Harry Grant, four, you've probably still got the best spine in the competition. Then you try and turn water into wine around them, don't you? You recruit bargain buys. You know, you've still got Nelson Asafa Solomana, the biggest, most probably most rampaging force in the game. So, they're, 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 they're sure they lose half their forward pack to the to the Dolphins, uh, Kafusi, and the Bromwich brothers. But I've I've got them penciled in from fifth to eighth last year, and I can't poke any sort of fun at them because they they've hung on about four or five years longer than a lot of us expected. You know, when Cameron Smith went two years ago, when Billy Slater went, when Cooper Cronk went, when Greg Inglis went. At the start of each year, we'd always say, team likely to fade, Melbourne Storm, and they never did. But they, they, they just didn't look quite right this year. Phil Gould said it. They just were a little bit off balance. Had a surge where they attacked brilliantly for about three or four games and won games by 30 points. Still scored a lot of points, but something was missing. And, uh, well, you did mention the Cowboys earlier. We know Storm are gone, but can the Cowboys go all the way? Uh, well, I think they're a, they're a very good chance because they don't have the pressure in front of them that a team like Penrith has. Let's assume Penrith make the grand final. Well, first up, the Cowboys, you know, I think they can beat Canberra or Para up there, you know, and if they do that with this week off they've got now, it's just gold. And... You know, there are. You know, it's a nice place to be going into a grand final. When, if I said to you now, Jared, what's your odds for a Penrith Cowboys grand final? I'm tipping you've got Penrith a dollar thirty and Cowboys three sixty, something like that. 
Uh, if it gets to the grand final, it probably would be. Well, currently, the Penrith are $1.90 and the Cowboys are the second picks at five fifty. Obviously, they've got the week off. But yep. just from what we saw the other night and, and, and factoring in a liability as well, Penrith are going to be under the odds. But um, they'll be looking over their shoulder, I think, if it's the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Well, well they're in this blissful place. And I really thought that at our Courier Mail finals lunch last week, the single statement that convinced me of Cowboys' desperation was when uh, Todd Payton spoke about uh, Tom Dearden's groin injury and said if his testicle takes any longer than three weeks to heal, take it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, do you not reckon there was a few eyes watering in the, in the uh, congregation, Paul, after that <laughs> oh, one? For sure. But, Crash, do you know what I think is going to help the Cowboys? So many of those young lads made their State of Origin debut yep. this season... And some of them were there in Game 3, that decider mm. at Suncorp Stadium. And it's never been an atmosphere so electric, and they were able to cope under that. So I don't think pressure's going to play a role with any of these young Cowboys. And what they've done too, Paul, they've robbed the Broncos of any excuse as well, have they? Have they? I mean, let's, let's be categorical about this. We all said, oh, the Broncos have faded after Origin. It took a lot out of them. Hang on. The Cowboys had players going in all directions at Origin. And and, and, and here they are, high in the saddle. Like Re- Reuben Cotter, and I know he's been he coming back from injury. but So they've done really well. And just every now and then, and, and West Tiger's the example when they won it in 2005, you see a team come from nowhere to win the premiership. They just surge through this gap and they pluck it. Like most teams, it's a steady rise, like Penrith when they won. It was a steady rise and they got there. Melbourne spend their life anchored at the top and so do the Roosters. They're always thereabouts. But just just now and then, there's this... Li- and this is what makes sport what it is. There's this team... And it could be Collingwood in the AFL this year. I don't think it will be, but there is there a chance. comes from nowhere. It's great. Could it be Canberra? Well, it, it, it could be because, you know, they're a big team. They're a physical team. Um, they're, they could be what the Cowboys were in that season where the Cowboys sat at home on the couch and watched the last game to see where they got in the eight thought they were out and then suddenly got in and then went on this blissful ride to the grand final where they lost. And there's, you have to fear the team which has no mental baggage for which every week is sort of like this blissful bonus. Oh, we're in. Oh, we've won a final. Oh, guess what? We've got another final. How good? You know, so so they're uh, they're so rel- you could just tell. I was watching the post game interviews with the Raiders the other day, and they were just over the weekend. I thought this is suddenly a very happy team. They're, they're very content with where they are, and they're a dangerous team. Gil McLaughlin, who is the CEO of the AFL Crash, will sign off at season's end. One of the uh, the lasting legacies you'll have is this record TV rights deal that he delivered last week. Uh, it goes all around the country. Do you think the NRL would be worried about what inroads they can make in these states in Queensland and New South Wales now with all that cash? Categorically, yes. And if they're not, they should be. Because I, I know a significant portion of it is going to go through to junior level. And, and that's a worry, Paul. It, it's a real worry. You know, I was speaking to people the other day, uh, you know, a, a couple of people who are connected with both Junior Rugby League and Junior AFL, and they went to a, a Junior Rugby League final series and had to pay $7 to get in. And there was issues with, uh, you know, the organisation of the event. 
and the, and the AFL just went seamlessly and it was a result of being better organised and just having more money and that's right here right now. They will push hard into Queensland and New South Wales you know, with this extra millions. They can afford to do it. So, yeah, at, at junior level, 100%. And we're already seeing a junior level rugby league with all the head knocks. While we love the gladiatorial aspect of the game and we've lauded it this morning, haven't we? I'm telling you, if you're a parent with a young child, you, you are concerned about them playing rugby league. You, you really junior. are. The brutality of the sport. Junior league AFL is absolutely airborne. Uh, on, in Queensland at the moment in the southeast corner and there's probably a couple of reasons for that and you just touched on on some there to start with but secondly the success of the Brisbane Lions in the AFLW and the other thing too is the success of the Brisbane Lions themselves and potential success of the Suns. Mm. Well the Suns are, are, are coming into view aren't they? They're they not are. there yet but the, the stunning victory uh, of the Brisbane Lions over Melbourne on the weekend. It, it's just come at a perfect time for them, hasn't it? And, and, and you've really... Oh, I'm such an admirer of Chris Fagan, uh, uh, their, their coach, mainly because he was born in a really hard era and played in a hard era, club football in Tasmania, where, you know, that was a time in the 1980s in the AFL where tough men like Dermot Brereton was going around getting knocked in finals and, oh, the sport was brutal. Uh, whereas and, and, and coaching was brutal, you know. If you were if you were showing any sort of sensitivity, you were told to take a cement pill and toughen up, mate. Now he's come through that, but he's got a silken touch. He's a very empathetic coach, and I think to transition from a hard era to a soft era, very few can do it. Justin Langer couldn't do it as Australian cricket coach. He could not come from that hard era and then adopt a softer approach. So well done, Chris Fagan. Crash, you make mention there of uh, cricket. Aaron Finch has now stepped aside from 50-over cricket. He'll be just playing out T20 now. We don't know how long to, you assume, to the end of this World Cup. What happens if we get to the World Cup and his ODI form continues with the white ball oh. version of the shorter game? Paul, this is the thing. You've, you've asked a great question, and I was thinking about it a lot yesterday when he got out in his last innings and failed again. Here's the game plan. Rival teams in the World Cup in Australia will try and pick a left-arm fast bowler who will swing the ball into his front pad and get him LBW. If it's a right-arm fast bowler, they'll try and get an in-swinger and get him LBW or bowl him. And he's just such bad form that you cannot carry that form through an entire tournament. So I think they've got to have a plan B to work out what happens if he starts failing because a World Cup at home has 30% more pressure. Everyone's watching it at night. Um, you know, you, there's enormous debates about the big issues. And I'm telling you, having lived through Mark Taylor's form slump in the 1990s, 96, 97, when he went 18 months out of form, when he wobbled, the entire team wobbled with him. It's all people talk about. I know recently there was players' weddings. A few of the bowlers uh, got married. Uh, Pat Cummins, Nathan Lyon, Josh Hazelwood. And, and at their weddings, it was a lot of chatter. Oh, what about Finchie? You know, it sort of dominates the conversation everywhere. So it is a worry. It really is. Uh, Crash, uh, um, just a quick one, because we've got too much time. Uh, Osman Kawaj, I thought it'd be known what he's going to do post-cricket. Yeah, he's studying an MBA on the road this season. And I think... He's such an original character. He, 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 he's already got a pilot's licence and his, his uh, commercial pilot's licence. He spent 250 hours solo, if you don't mind. 
And uh, he's not sure where he's going, but he wants to have this MBA. He'll think it ta- it'll take him places. And uh, I just like the way he's studying before he has to study. So he reckons he'll have a few hours on tour. So uh, he, he will be... I can see Kawaja being a cricket administrator of some note. Already there was discussion last week that Australian administrators are too male, pale and stale. So, you know, Usman, you know, with his uh, Asian heritage, is, brings a beautiful flavour to that. And he's such a smart guy. So... Um, good times ahead for Usman Khawaja, I think. He will finish his career with style and then probably move into the media or administration or both. Uh, any news that Davey Warner will be doing the NBA as well, Crasher? <laughs> no, I understand that he's passed, which is... <laughs> no, it's, uh, I don't, but isn't it funny, those two guys who opened the bowling when they, was, when they were uh, at, at primary school together, now they're opening the batting for Australia. It really is one of the big stories, boys, along with... My hunt for a grand final ticket to the AFL, Paul. Where do I start? Where do I get one? I'm going to buy one. Well, we'll, 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 we'll talk to, to we'll talk to our man Danny Daly. <laughs> Good on you, Crash. See you soon. Bye. There he is, Robert Crash Craddock, who is the chief sports writer for the Courier Mail.